Any volunteers? Turn with me in your bulletins to today's reading, which comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 3, the first verse, as we continue in our study of the book of Philippians. Hear the word of the Lord. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Is that a misprint? Just one verse? Now let the people say hallelujah, right? <laughs> Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, we are asking for you to come and to descend upon this place as you've promised to bind yourself, most especially to your word. It's an amazing thing to believe and to expect in this moment, this seemingly ordinary moment, that God might be here, that God might speak, that God might change our lives. So we pray that you would give us grace to be open to that, to be open to you, to hear you, to respond to you. Come, Lord Jesus, and have your way with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We have, from the beginning, endeavored to be, among other things, a neighborhood-centered church. That's the language we've used in our mission statements, a neighborhood-centered church, which of course means not only loving and caring and investing in this particular place, this neighborhood, but also of giving ourselves intentionally and sacrificially to the love of neighbor, most especially to the most vulnerable of our neighbors, seeking justice for the poor, caring for those with needs, even as we ourselves acknowledge ourselves to be those who have great needs that Jesus alone can supply. And so birthed out of this mission, this vision, we endeavor to grow as a church that's full of mercy, of justice, as over time an increasingly economically diverse community, a reflection of our local neighborhood and our neighbors' lives. And so today is a big day. Uh, an important day, a special day when we are publicly affirming those who are called into leadership and servanthood to carry us along and to lead us in that growing process. Publicly affirming two deacons and two deaconesses in our midst. We're looking today at these words from Philippians 3, verse 1, which of course apply to all of us, but I want to direct them most especially to you, Mary Catherine, and Albert, and Marcus, and Shapri, because you're being called to a very critical role of Jesus' ministry, aren't you? of service and leadership. As our denomination's Book of Church Order describes it, the diaconal ministry you're called to is a, a ministry of sympathy and service. After the example of the Lord Jesus himself, 
It expresses the communion of saints, especially in their helping one another in time of need. You're called to minister to those who are in need, to the sick, to the friendless, and to any who may be in distress. You are together with us as a church called to walk with people in their pain and in their suffering. And Lord knows, even in these pews, but certainly in our neighborhood, there is a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. People to be walked with. To care for the poor in our pews and in our neighborhood blocks. And you are, of course, called not simply to do justice and love mercy yourself, but rather to lead, to equip the rest of us, the church, the body of Christ, to do justice and to love mercy. You helping us corporately to become a more generous, burden-bearing church. Yes, I want to direct these words from this passage most especially to you four because when you dive into the brokenness of people's lives when you give and you give and you give as you already have begun to give you must remember the joy of the Lord is your strength the joy of the Lord must be your strength. As the passage tells us, my brothers and sisters rejoice in the Lord. And as you know, in the previous chapter, Paul just called the church to love and serve like Christ, to risk all, to sacrifice all, in fact. You might say this is actually the heart of the deacon, the deaconess. Then, as if to point us to the secret of how one might love like him, like this, Paul continues by saying, Rejoice in the Lord. As one commentator paraphrases here, Let the Lord be the one who makes you happy. Find your joy in him and in him alone. In all situations, even in the face of trials, or rejection, or unrequited love, of sacrificial love, in those moments of thankless service, in the face of being taken for granted or taken advantage of as you serve and love and give, brothers and sisters, rejoice. But where do you find this joy? That we might not hear this call, even command, as a farce, as a false promise even. We've got to know, where do you find this joy? Notice what the Apostle does not say. He doesn't say, rejoice in the job. Sometimes the job of a deacon, a deaconess, is hard. Sometimes joy, less. Let's be real. He doesn't say rejoice in your gifts. Sometimes they don't work. 
Sometimes they're just not enough. It doesn't say rejoice in your effectiveness either. Only look into the fruit. As Jesus himself told his disciples, I have given you authority, yes, to overcome all powers of the enemy. However, do not rejoice in this, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He doesn't say rejoice in your eagerness to change the world either, does he? The kingdom of Jesus is coming, to be sure, but oftentimes it doesn't look like it. Not as far as human eyes can see. He doesn't even say, maybe to our surprise, rejoice in the people whom you serve. Because even this, like all the rest, will sometimes run out, won't it? Instead, the apostle, the Lord himself to us, says, Rejoice in what? In the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Why? Who is this Lord? And what has he done that we might find our highest and deepest joy in him? That it might empower our service and our self-sacrificing love to one another. As we've seen over the last several weeks, Paul's letter to the Philippians has begun to answer that question, who is this Lord and what has he done? Who is this Lord but the one who provides you with partners in the gospel? Friends who hold you in their hearts with the affection of Christ so you never need to walk alone. Who is the Lord but the one who began a good work in you, saving you by his grace, and the one who will carry that work to completion until the day of Christ, because God will never give up on you. Who is the Lord but the one who purposes for you even when you're in the chains of prison or persecution or chronic disease or doubt or depression whose purposes for you can never be thwarted because the Lord is never chained? Who is the Lord but the one who by his unfathomable grace put you first. Setting aside all power and divine privilege. Humbling himself to serve you for your salvation and die in your place for your sin and selfishness. Who is the Lord but the one who by his death conquered death? So that now, if you could just imagine it, you can face all threat of loss with courage, with confidence. Because now to die is to be with Jesus. To die is gain. Who's the Lord but the one who's given the name that's exalted above every name? A name of glory. A name of divine stature, a name of authority, a name of salvation. 
A Lord who gives you now his name. Who is the Lord but the one who encourages you, who united himself to you, who comforts you with his love, who gives you his spirit, who deals with you with tenderness and compassion, who gives you his righteousness so you can stop pretending and performing, who forgives all your sins, who frees you from your deepest paralyzing fears, who delights in you, who rejoices over you with loud singing. Who is the Lord? This is the Lord. People of God, rejoice in the Lord. Amen. As theologian Sinclair Ferguson writes about this passage, all true joy is in the Lord. Its source does not lie in our changing circumstances, but in our unchanging Savior. Dear friends, you four, and all of you together with them, repeat these things in your heart. This is life to you. And remind each other of the joy of your salvation. Echoing the second half of this verse, saying to your own hearts and to one another, it's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. It's no trouble to say it to you again. It's no trouble to proclaim it to you, to preach it to myself again. It's no trouble to be repetitive about the things of God in his gospel. Because you need to hear it again and again and again. Servants of Christ, repetition is your protection. It will be a safeguard to your souls. It will be a safeguard to your diaconal service. Fight for joy. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Brothers and sisters, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Let's pray. This is something that you alone can create by your spirit in our hearts. We bring broken hearts and lives to you. We bring a broken church to you. We bring our flawed grasp of all that you are, Jesus, whether we're seeing you for the first time or we're taking another glimpse. We need to see you as you are, that we might rejoice in you as you are, our Savior, our Lord, in whose name we pray, amen. Let's stand together and let's sing a song that reminds us once again, who is this Lord? Let's sing about the cross.